the mystery of the Happy Time Murders. Uh, and it hurt just to say that. Not because it's stupid. It's a little stupid, but because um, I'm hungover. I went to go see it last night. So I'm sorry. I know my podcasts are usually tight and focused about just me going on with the story or a certain point of view. Uh, this one is, I'm not going to be offended if you don't listen to the whole thing and you just, you know, you, you bail out at some point because, uh, I'm trying to get my head together on this. You know, the funny thing is I had a, a whole podcast already recorded about how I was not going to see the happy time murders and I had it ready to go. I even, Yeah. Then last night I just thought, well, maybe I'll see it. See what, if it, that, man. What? Okay, so I'm going to, so do, so I'm going into this movie and these are the some of the critics, what they're saying that we all know about already, okay? Um... Here's one from the Village Voice. This is a top newspaper in New York. Some viewers perhaps might be shocked at the association of Mr. Rainbow Connection that that when he's talking about Brian Henson there with scenes that are set in porno shops, strip clubs, and drug dens. What jolted me though was seeing the Henson name all over a project that is so often bland and listless, so tame in its designs so limited in its imagination and so joyless in its execution. And just when I'm reading that quote and I'm remembering, see, when I came up, I came out of bed today, I got to the internet and I was looking, uh, I was rereading some of these reviews and it had pictures from the movie. And those made me kind of sick again, seeing them. And it's not for the reasons you're thinking, it's mostly the hangover. Because, uh, Oh, let me just do another quote. Rolling Stone. A few critics are calling it the worst movie of the year. Unfair. This R-rated look at a serial killer running wild in a puppet-populated L.A. has what it takes to be a contender for the worst of the decade. And uh, they might be right. But what happened was I drank a little bit just to get myself out the door and walk to the movie theater to feel intrepid. And then I brought minis. So I did a mini in the bathroom before walking into the actual individual's movie data at the Cineplex. And I got there a little late, so I was almost all the way through the previews. And the first five, ten minutes, a happy time murder, you're thinking, wait a second, this, they're wrong. They are wrong. They did it again. You know, they almost did this with Team America. There's some people, the critics, there was some, Roger Ebert, who is, uh, he's no longer with us. When he was with us, he hated Team America so much he couldn't shut up about it. And I think Team America is very funny. So then I had that moment of, wait, they're just mad that the puppets are all smutty. It's actually going to be good. I thought it was going to be good. I had a celebratory mini. 20, 30 minute mark. I'm starting to pound the minis. 
just to get, just to try to find that feeling again, of what it was to be feel like you've just opened up a treasure treasure chest that no one else had the key to, and this was going to be just between you and Brian Henson. How much you loved this movie, and then it just went on and on, and it it got worse. I mean, it went from potential to just scene after scene. Anyhow, here's another quote. For, this one's from Australia, it's, which is one of my favorite continents, by the way. Happy Time Murders is like being shot in the face with an icy cold blast of humor retardant chemicals. That's funny, actually. I know this sounds like I'm piling on, and I'm really not because I like Brian Henson. I actually met him one time, and he was very nice. And I'm going to, I'm seriously trying to figure out the mystery here of what went wrong. And I did last night when I was drunk and I got a lot of notes. Let me reach for them. Okay, so I got two sets of notes. This is, you could hear that. That's one of the sets of notes. And the other set of notes is what I typed for the original podcast, which was the one I already recorded. And I guess you'll never hear because it has been superseded with this rambling hungover. I got this big thing of coffee too. I'm gonna, I take a sip. It's the biggest cup I own. And I did two spoonfuls at an instant. So I'm hoping it's going to get me over the line here. Okay, so uh, the whole happy time thing, and maybe the reason why I eventually went to go see it, is because, you know, I just released an audiobook called Blood and Muppets, A True Story. $5 is all it costs, and it's over five hours, and you can get it at nevergotfamous.com. Don't worry about that right now. I'm going to, I'm sure I'm going to remind you more than once during this. Um, so back in, you know, before any of us could actually go and see Happy Time Murder, we had the trailer and it looked like it's the usual foray into like a lowbrow version of a sort of a kiddie paradigm. So, you know, it's like Meet the Feebles did this with Muppet Show and then Greg the Bunny also did the same territory. And I, I like Greg the Bunny. I think that was very funny. Uh, the one, the, the monkey wearing the helmet, that was a classically trained act. Warren, that was a classically trained actor and also an alcoholic and was bitter about having to be on a kid's show. That was one of the great puppet characters of all time. He's up there with Gonzo. So, uh, you know, I thought Happy Time Murder was going to be just one of these things. And I got blindsided when I saw that it actually had Brian Henson as director and developer because this means that it's an official Muppet project. It is. It's the lineage going back to the Henson name and they called this from this company Henson Alternative. It doesn't matter. I mean, all the, you go through the whole like DNA, uh, the creatures in Happy Time, they are so straight from Sesame Street. You just follow these evolutionary steps and they're so close, you know, they're like, monkey and slightly different monkey on the timeline for evolution. But the mystery here is what the hell happened? I mean, how could it turn out bad when it's made by the guy who knows more about puppets and has more puppet pedigree than anyone else in the world, except maybe for Frank Oz? Here's what a mystery is, really. It's this one quote. 
After a decade-long gestation, director Brian Henson delivers a fairly generic, seedy, loathsome film with little ingenuity applied. Decade-long gestation. Hmm. I just see this. God, it hurts to even make that noise, but that was like me thinking when I read uh, that. Decade-long gestation. Hmm. Now there's someone doing the backing up beeps outside. God, I just... That's the one noise that proves the robots have won, because there are objects that prove the robots have won. One of them is the smartphone. Uh, the sound that the uh, robots have won is that backing up beeping. That's for another episode. Okay, so in my audiobook, I go into this about how then since 1997, the Muppet franchise has been getting more and more sodomized. And I'm sorry to use that word, but this totally fits with the Happy Time Murder movie review I'm kind of doing here because they, in the movie, they do that. Uh, just penetrate is one of the things. And maybe if some of you were going to run out and go see it because of that, but hold on. So I looked into it, and they've been getting this Happy Time movie made for 10 years. It's been in develop. Oh, they're beeping again. I just, I don't know if you can hear that. So they've been make, trying to get this Happy Time movie made for 10 years, and then it's been in production for about six, which includes, uh, d you know, building the puppet creatures and whatnot, which is kind of this whole separate trajectory for these, mo like Dark Crystal. You can, as you see the making of Dark Crystal featurette on the DVD and Blu-ray, I think they two years they were spending building the creatures for that. And so there was that for this too, in some crazy amount of time. So after all that long, long development with the number one puppet guy at the helm of this project, and it turns out terrible, how is that possible? All that money and all those people they had to do things and fix things, all that time to think about it, work on it, make it better, make it better, make it better. And that first quote I told you where they call it joyless. Look, even all the other skanky, unfunny adult puppet projects that litter the landscape of the 20th and 21st century, you would never say that they seemed joyless. You could say they were unfunny, but you could not say... And look, the joy they had might be unearned, and it might be just the people doing it that got joy, but you could, de you could detect it was definitely in there because it's got to be fun doing Muppets. Right? So even when, let's say, we're watching Muppet Wizard of Oz and it's making us wish that the earth would just explode and take us with it, we can see that, damn, it must have been fun to do that movie, to be on the set for Muppet Wizard of Oz with those creatures and people. It's the same with videos on YouTube. You know, there's this thing that happens, a kind of equation proportion thing. And, you know, Critical knows this, Hugbees knows this. The more fun it is to do a video, the more it's kind of disposable, right? The ones that are for the ages, they took labor. They were hard. They were not necessarily fun to do. They took mental and vocal and physical grind to make those things good. They were not just some fun thing to do. So that gave me an idea of what's actually happening here. Take another sip of coffee. I'm sorry if that grosses you out, but we all sip. So the mystery of how the happy time turned out so bad, here maybe is the solution. See, for the last several years, Brian Henson has been doing these R-rated improv puppet shows called Puppet Up, or some crap name. 
Actually, now that I said that, I like the name. Pop it up. That's very fun to say. Pop it up. Uh, it's not so. Not, it's, it's not as fun. Now that I've done it. Okay, so uh, where was I? He was doing these improv puppet shows. Well, you ever been to a show like that? The threshold for laughter is so low. These improv comedy uh, shows. They, it's not. It, they drive me up the wall, and I can't help it. You know, and it's not because they aren't funny sometimes, but it's just that when the threshold of laughter is so low, those people in the audiences are there to instantly laugh at everything, literally everything. You know, as a guy who once tried to do comedy, I can't stand it. It's cheating. It's like a fake laugh track. It's so automatic. They come out, they hold up a puppet and say just something like, mmm, uh, boobies, and the crowd would go wild if it was improv, like you were Steve Martin and Richard Pryor combined into a kind of milk chocolate. See, comedy's hard. That's why I tried saying that, to show you how difficult it is to come up with a good line out of nowhere um, and how it's usually not funny when you do that. So this is what Brian Henson's been doing for like, well, you know, a lot of years. And instead of finally coming up with another good Muppet movie like he should be doing and saving us from all these Disney Muppet reboots that are like prostate cancer, he's been milking these audiences that would laugh if he just threw a Muppet at him. He could just have a Muppet scream the word testicle over and over and these improv audiences would laugh until they were blind. So that's maybe what happened. Brian Henson forgot that comedy, really good comedy, is hard work. And when you do a comedy movie, the standard is way higher. Because movie audiences will not laugh at just any insignificant thing you do. Let's say the other puppet people doing these puppet-up shows, now they're working on the Happy Time movie, which is true, and I'll get to that in a minute. So now they're all together working on the Happy Time movie. They're all conditioned to think that everything they do with these puppets is funny and that audiences are going to laugh at any little thing that they're going to come up with because they've been doing it. In the improv shows, they do anything, and the, the crowd just starts laughing and laughing. So now they're all together making this Happy Time murders. Now they're laughing at each other's stuff right? Because they're conditioning themselves through what they experienced for the improv shows. And while they're making the movie, they're thinking, oh, this stuff is killer. This is so funny. We're laughing. All those improv audiences laughed at the same kind of stuff. And boom, they end up with a movie that the rest of us are like, where's the actual funny moments? Where's the humor that is skilled? Which is what we expect from people doing movies, because movie comedy, you know, the best Movie, comedies, they are works of genius. Improv comedy is a lot like stand-up. It's aimed at drunk people. They would laugh if a tennis ball rolled by them. You know? It is disposable comedy. It's meant to tickle the feet of those drunk audiences. We all knew that. In stand-up, we were playing with drunks. So Brian Henson tries bringing this into a movie, and the movie critics are like, what the hell is this? Some kind of diaper? I swear, by the way, I swear that's got to be the name of a, like a porn channel out there. Some kind of diaper. That's 2018 for you. But here's the, you know, here's me summarizing the explanation. When that critic said it seemed joyless, it was actually that Brian Hansen was transmitting joy at a frequency that only drunk audiences could hear, right? Like dog whistle noise. But drunk improv audiences, because drunk movie audiences, I was just one of them last night. It only made me sad.
So a movie critic cannot hear that frequency of amusement that for, is for totally for improv audiences. So who is right? The Muppet people and uh, their improv audiences or the movie critic? And if you guessed movie critic, yeah, you're right. Uh, the critics, they're right about Happy Time Murder. I've given you the full picture, right? Minis of vodka. You ever do vodka straight while you're watching a Muppet movie that makes you want to take your own life? Well, you still have time. It's, it's still out of datas. You know Jar Jar Banks. We thought he was literally born out of Satan's ass. He was so horrible, so unfunny, so... I mean, do you remember when you first saw Jar Jar Binks pulling that stuff on the screen with the the me once a me me so and the the bad? Sh do you remember how that took your breath away? Like you couldn't believe what you were seeing. It would be like cars driving off the roof of a parking garage, but just car after car after car. You'd be staring at it like, how? What is the coordinated despair that is <laughs> that resulted in what I'm looking at right now? What happened to the human race that this has taken place? Well, you take Jar Jar Binks, you take all the things he said and did, and you make him into a puppet, and then you do what him in one of these improv shows saying and doing those same things. The audience would go wild with laughter. They'd clap. They'd throw. They'd not just roses, they'd throw panties at him. Maybe not. Uh, I mean, they would definitely laugh. That is the one thing that is the very... The, he is the pivot point on which the difference of comedy rests. Jaja Binks, on screen, you want to kill yourself. As a puppet in an improv show, everyone laughs at him like he's the second coming of... Let me pick a real comedy superstar here. Like he's the second coming of Marty Feldman. Now you wouldn't know who he is. It's too bad. Uh, like, okay. They would laugh at Jar Jar Binks like he's the second coming of Michael Palin. And, you know, Michael Palin's got a lot of beats. He's got a lot of nuances. These are, you know, comedy times. He's got a lot of texture. That one's not a comedy time. But um, what Michael Palin is to us, like in something like Fish Called Wanda, that's what Jar Jar Binks would be to these improv audiences. And I don't mean to beat a dead horse here with this. It's, oh, now a plane's going overhead. See, if I just, if I talk long enough, this becomes more and more like a, a tragedy that you get to hear where I live. And it's sirens and airplanes and backing up beeping. <sighs> Coffee break. I'm sorry about that. I mean, I know my podcasts are usually, they're just not, they're not like this usually. Uh, I think I'm using this almost as a therapy session to process a happy time murder. Because you know what? At an improv show, it's embarrassing to, to, to not laugh. It, you know, the laughter is what hides, it smothers the anxiety and awkwardness of that whole situation, right? Trust me. It's part of the experience of an improv show, getting to laugh at everything like an idiot. It's almost what the price of admission is for, that you get to laugh at everything without judgment. Movie audiences, 
here's the thing. They are not watching a movie to laugh. They are watching a movie to have it make them laugh if it can. That's the difference. So Brian Henson and these other puppet people making Happy Time, they just got spoiled by all those live audiences. So does this mean that we could finally say goodbye to the Henson name and everything? Is this the last bit? The last nail in the coffin. You know, they had a good run. What was it, 40 years? You know, I think I'm going to start my own puppet show. Full of charm, full of cuteness, not a bad thing that kids cannot see. Rated G all the way. An actual new puppet world. Like that, like Henson did, you know? Because think of what all those Muppet people are doing right now. They're spending all that time and money. And Happy Time Murder cost, I'm hearing, about $40 million. And some of it looks like it was filmed with the kind of camera I got. Just the auto exposure setting, you leave it on and some of it, that's what it looks like. There are shots that do not match lighting wise. They're cutting back and forth and it's, I mean, it's crazy. It's like they were aiming. Someone said that too. One of the critics said, never has there been a movie that is like a contender for worst movie of the year that actually looks like it was aiming for that. I don't know. Anyhow, I've, I, I've rambled on long enough. I'm kind of embarrassed by how long this podcast is. I mean, I know podcast. There's a pinball podcast I, w- I listen to that I really like. Uh, it talks about uh, the new ones coming out. And, you know, they do two-hour episodes. They're just sitting there going. I don't know how that translates necessarily to this podcast. But so to everyone listening, remember, you can sit around doing nothing with your life or you can be an imitation of other people. Wait, that doesn't sound... I don't think that's enough choices. Or, okay. Or, you can be like your heroes and do something original. If you have heroes that are not original, right? They're just like athletes or entertainers that sound and do like all the others. Then change that. Do not have them as heroes. Or keep them as heroes, but commit suicide. Thanks for listening. Uh, NeverGotFamous.com, where you can buy my audiobook, Blood and Muppets, A True Story, which you know, guess how long it is, and guess how much it costs. That's right, five and five. Comes out to about a dollar an hour, which is what I make doing food delivery after everything, pretty much. So I hope the book sells more than six. Anyhow, thanks for listening. NeverGotFamous.com. See you on the other side.